Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Mike Michalowicz, author of Profit First. And if you want to learn how to produce world-class relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey there, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Mike Michalowicz. Mike is the author of Profit First, Clockwork, Surge, The Pumpkin Plan, and his newest release, Fix This Next. By his 35th birthday, Mike had founded and sold two companies, one to private equity and another one to a Fortune 500. And today, he's running his third multi-million dollar venture, Profit First Professionals. Mike is a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal and the former business makeover specialist on MSNBC. Over the years, Mike has traveled the globe speaking with thousands of entrepreneurs and is here today to share the best of what he's learned. And guys, this is going to be an amazing interview. I can't wait to get into some awesome tactical, really tactical stuff here for those entrepreneurs out there that are listening to this. But first, really quickly, if you are a seven-figure entrepreneur and you know the importance of having a podcast, you know what a podcast could do for your business, for your brand, for your company, for your credibility, your authority, maybe book deals or publishing deals or stages, whatever it is, you know that would be beneficial, but you just don't have 
the time, the team, or the resources to figure it all out, then let me and my team build it for you. Head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. There's a quick application there. We'll jump on a phone call to see if we'd be a good fit to build out a show for you so that you can focus on what you're good at, which is building uh, good relationships with your clientele. And we can focus on what we're good at, which is building world-class podcasts. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. Mike, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, man. Travis, I'm pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. So let's go ahead and take it way back here. Start this off right. Build some context for those listening who may not know who you are. And let's take it way back, Mike. I'm talking like 12, 13-year-old Mike Michalowicz. You know, family life, school, academic, sports, all that good stuff. Talk to me about Yeah. That. So uh, again, beat up in the corner of the parking lot. <laughs> I was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I was this skinny kid that really wasn't that athletic or any of that stuff when I was that young. And I remember, actually, this is funny, this is a turning point. This, this one girl in eighth grade was making fun of how skinny I was. And uh, that became a turning moment for me. I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to become an athlete. It's really not a trait in her family, but went on to become, uh, play sports in, in high school, went to play lacrosse at college, became the captain of the team. Wow. Really discovered through that journey that, we can become what we want to if we really grasp those turning moments. Mm. I could have let her name was, I'll never forget, little Sarah. I, I could have let Sarah define who I was, or I could take that as an opportunity to springboard to who I wanted to be. So that was, I was never an entrepreneur, by the way. That was another defining moment for me that came after college. After college, really? Okay. So, so high school, college. So if you didn't want to be an entrepreneur before college, what did you end up going to college for? And what were you wanting to do when you got out? Yes. My father was an engineer his whole life. And he's like, you got to be an engineer. I didn't have the chops, I think, to be an engineer. So I studied business. My hope was to get a job with one of the, back then it was the big six, Ernst and Young or Arthur Anderson. Mm. I wanted to go to one of these big consulting firms and be a consultant. I grew up believing that, you know, you get one job and you work it for the entirety of your life. The thing was, I couldn't get that job. Like I didn't get a job offer after college. Hmm. So I went back home. I worked for a local computer business, a computer store effectively. And uh, one day through the inspiration of, of booze, I was drinking some cold ones <laughs> with another guy there <laughs> lamenting the business owner saying, God, he sits back and collects money while we work and sell the computers. I said, I'm going to start my own computer business. And I did. Drunk. <laughs> so that's not a tip, by the way. Don't, don't drink your way into starting a business. But that's how I started. It was definitely a hard journey. It was not what I expected, but it paid off. I love entrepreneurship. So this was early 20s that you started your first business? So, no, actually, 1996. So I, I graduated college in uh, 93 and worked for this guy for two years. And then by 95, I committed to it. And early 96, I started the business. I mean, your early 20s, when you were in your oh, early 20s. Oh, my age, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was 23, 20, 22 and a half, 23 when I started my first company. And gotcha. I also was married already, and we had a son. So oh, wow, I yeah. had three kids. But I had three mouths to feed as I started that first business. Yeah, that's that's a totally different ballgame at that point, right? Holy yeah. cannoli, yeah. yeah. It would do whatever it takes to feed yourself and to have a roof over your head. Yeah, I worked my ass off. And I would argue, if I didn't have that obligation, it would have been easy for me to rewind and say, you know, I, I, don't, I can't do this because it was hard hmm. and scary. Yeah. But I had to do it. We had to do it. Was there a time that you were really, really tempted to go back to just selling computers? No, because I hated that. I burned the bridges. <laughs> Got it. I burned the bridges with the, the old boss. Like he, I would have never gotten a job back with him or in the industry. But it was scary. But it's funny. My wife is like, you know what? It's okay. We'll live off peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. We moved into uh, 
effectively a retirement village. We moved into this complex. It was really inexpensive, but it was all people 70 and older. And uh, there we were, our young little family with like, a, like the equivalent of a billion grandparents around us. <laughs> and um, I just worked and worked and worked. And we lived off ramen noodles and peanut butter and jelly for years. Yeah. But at a certain point, it started to turn. We saw what the potential was. Talk to me really quickly, Mike, about the importance of discipline and delayed gratification and how that's played into your success. You know what? That is funny. So it's key. I, it wasn't key in the beginning. Like I want, I want to be rich. I want to be rich now. Yeah. I, I uh, think, like every, like every 23 year old guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I get it. The turning point came really when I started realizing what at least I had defined as life's journey and life's purpose. I think it's self-defined or God-defined, but I mean, I think we all have our own individual purpose. And when I got started getting clarity around that, that's when I transitioned from this immediate gratification to the joy of the journey. I believe I am on this planet to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. This perception of that we're wildly successful as entrepreneurs, but this real struggle so many of us have, and I believe it can be eradicated. And I believe the majority of us struggle with that, but we can fix it. I can fix it. Yeah. And I'm committed to it. And it's become this relentless thirst. So there's joy in the journey. Like what we're doing right now, the fact that I get to even talk about this is like, oh my God, this is awesome. This is a big win. This is the gratification. And the prior thirst I had for, you know, I get rich quick and stuff. That's, that's not there anymore. The irony though, is I make more money than ever. The day I started not focusing on making money is when yeah. money started to roll in faster than I could have imagined. Yeah. Interesting how that happens. <laughs> kind yeah, of frustrating it's, it's how that weird. happens. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed.
Okay. So early 20s, you start this computer company. So at what point along the way, is this the business that really turns you on to the idea of profit first and that you may have been taught wrong and that there may be a better way to do this? No, actually, that first business started to... I started to believe in the wrong method. I thought profit came last and I had to build faster and faster. So I became entrenched in this belief of build, 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 and sell your way. Like sales cures everything. I, I believe that line of, of bull. And I did make money when I sold the company. I never made money running it. It was always check by check. There was constant panic. But when I finally sold it and I made some money, I was like, oh, I got to build it and sell it. And mm-hmm. I did that with a second company, build it and sell it. And when I sold it, I made money. And that became my new belief. It was my third company where... I couldn't build it and sell it where I started to learn, oh, no, no, profit is something that needs to be baked into a business. Every transaction needs to have profit. It's not, it's not an eventuality. It's a habit. Yeah, break this down for people that are listening that may have just been introduced right now on this episode to the idea of profit first. Can you give us just like a 30,000 foot view of what most people look at businesses or how most people look at businesses versus how profit first people look at businesses. Yeah. So what we've all been told is that profit comes last. We're told that sales minus expenses equals profit. It's the bottom line or it's the year end. That's the words we use for it. Well, what discovered is when something comes last, it's the equivalent of saying it's insignificant. Like no one says, I love my family so much. That's why I put them last. <laughs> yeah. No one says like, oh, I got to take care of my health. So I'm going to start putting my health last. That means it's insignificant, but profit is in the formula that, that's told in every book. Is it's it's the bottom line. It's the last consideration. So most businesses, how it manifests is we wait until the end of the year. We go to our accountant. There's no money there. We say, damn it. Well, maybe I'll be profitable next year. So we keep on delaying the profit consideration. Hmm. Why teaching profit first is to flip the formula. So it's sales minus profit equals expenses. And how this works in practice is that every time we have a transaction revenue come in, we immediately take a predetermined percentage of that money as profit. Mm-hmm. We actually pay ourselves first in the business, hide that money away from the business, and then run the business off the remainder. So the profit first principle is simply that, is to take your profit first. It's a game changer because now you have to live off the remainder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, uh, when you start living and- off the remainder, your, your business is telling you if you want to achieve, say, 20% profit, so you take 20%, you must live off of this OPEX and you find a way. So it's yeah. reverse engineering profit. It's, a, it's the pay yourself first principle applied to business. It enforces innovation. If you're forcing yourself to take 20% off the top and then saying, I got to learn how to run this business on 80% when before it wasn't possible for me, then time to get creative. <laughs> you got to figure out how to solve those problems a little bit better, which is the name of the game for every entrepreneur, right? Yeah, that's the best part of this experience with Profit First. So we have over... 350,000 companies that have implemented Profit First to varying degrees, like the full system or parts of it. And what we found is these businesses that do it, the the thought was, well, if you're not taking your money and reinvesting in your business, you're going to collapse. We found the opposite. It's these businesses that take their Profit First that are, to your point, more innovative. They have less money to spend, so they spend more prudently. They figure out what's working, what's not. They're more selective. These businesses that take their Profit First actually are growing faster than their contemporaries. Not to mention- It's actually, I didn't expect that, but I've experienced it for myself. You know, I've been doing profit first. I consider myself ground zero for, I've been doing for 12 years. I've had 46 consecutive quarters of profit distributions. The next one, as of this recording, is 13 days away. Since I've been doing this, my businesses have grown faster than ever before. Hmm. And 
I believe the reason is to your point, it forces innovation. I have less money to spend on the operation of the business. So I got to figure out what will drive the results, what works, what doesn't do what works and do that fast, whatever works, avoid that. And that's how I'm running the business. Yeah. And it's funny that it was something that took so long to come up with because that's the only reason that people get into business in the first place. Is it's a great irony. So I have a privilege to speak with so many entrepreneurs as I travel. Obviously, there isn't much travel right now, but I still speak with so many entrepreneurs virtually. And I will regularly ask, why did you get into business? And there's always two answers. It's usually combined. Sometimes it's just one, but usually it's, it's the two answers together. One is personal freedom. I wanted to have control over my life. I want to do what I want when I want. Second reason, financial freedom. I don't want to ever worry about bills ever again. So we start our business to do what we want when we want and not worry about money. And the greatest irony is we start our business and we have no control over our personal lives. <laughs> the business controls it and we have no freaking money. <laughs> the, the, the whole reason we got into this is the thing that doesn't happen. Yeah. It's funny, and it, but it's very changeable. I mean, we can turn around because we do get 99% of the business right. We can market, we can attract customers, we can do all these different things. We just need a little tweak, take our profit first, and it'll happen. And we can also make a tweak in our personal lives to gain that time back too. It's these minor things that we need to do. When you're first starting a business, let's say even if it's like a tech startup and you're raising capital for something, is it still something that you that you have people do is like, hey, whatever income comes in, we're still taking a percentage and we're putting that into a profit account. Even though it's technically not profit because we're operating from position of debt, we are taking that and putting it into this profit account. Yeah, good question. So if you're raising funds which I'm not necessarily a fan of. I've actually never raised venture capital. I did the road show and elected not to do it. I've done angel raises, which is different. Yeah. What I found is when you raise money and have debt, it is not income, it's debt. So that actually goes into a financing account to fund OpEx. But the first sale that comes in, I don't care if it's a dollar or $10 million, whatever it is, we immediately start taking our profit out of that. Got it. So any sales that are made. Sales only, right. Sales yeah. we expect profit from. But from the beginning. Loans we use to fund the business. Yeah. We have to pay it back. Sure. And we may have to pay it back from our, our profit effectively, but we don't use that as true income. Well, let me say this. I also have a way of managing debt. If someone lends me, say a friend of mine says, Mike, I need $10,000. And a friend of mine grants me $10,000. I will actually ask for more than I really need. Maybe I need $8,000. I'll ask for $10,000. I'll take the 2000 extra, hide an account, and then start the paybacks on 10000 from the 2000 Because I know for the lender, if it takes longer than expected to pay them back, they can get scared and frustrated. Mm -hmm. So I actually use the lender's own money to start paying them back. Now, I know that's not logical because there's higher interest and all this different stuff. But I also, I think emotion and behavior trumps logic. So that's why I do that little trick. Yeah, that's... Emotion and behavior definitely trumps logic. And that's a really yeah. great trick. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. So what is the big thing that you're working on now, Mike? You got, you know, all these people that are implementing your system and your your book is a huge success and a multiple time bestseller on multiple books that you've had, The Pumpkin Plan, Clockwork. And now you're working on a new book, Fix This Next. What are some of the big projects that you have coming up? Some things that you're excited about? Yeah. So Fix This Next just came out uh, about a month and a half ago. So I'm, I'm getting the word out. We actually have already certified over 300, I think it's 330 advisors now in this methodology, coaches that are going out teaching it. And as we roll that out, my primary job is I'm an author. So I'm, I'm back writing every morning, 6 a.m. I start. And I'm studying right now why most marketing fails. 
the vast majority of marketing a small business does fails and therefore they never try it again. Most small businesses I find rely on word of mouth or referrals and they actually brag about it. They say, you know, I get 90% of my business from referrals, Mm -hmm. which means 90% of their business success depends on other people graciously referring them. There's, there's no control. Right. And so how do we get a consistent stream of opportunity our way within our control through marketing? And, uh, I think the hack is there's a behavioral way to do it. So that's what I'm, I've been researching and testing actually for years now, and now we're in full throttle testing with it. And I'm writing a book around it. That'll come out hopefully in about a year and a half from now. Awesome. Awesome. Which you can go learn more about at fixthisnext.com. Highly recommend checking out this as well as every other book that Mike has written. He is clearly the expert and really the founder in a lot of ways of this big profit first movement. And so definitely go check out some of the resources and materials that he has up there. Mike, I want to talk to you a little bit about relationship building and communication networking because that's what the show is really all about. The conversation or the, the question that I usually ask to get that conversation headed in the right direction is this one. Do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? That's a good one. You know, you know can I say both? <laughs> that, that's the escape answer. If you, yeah, it's always the yeah. So, yeah, so, so I'll go with the who's, but it's what you can do to serve them with the who's. So that's how sure. it yeah. I found in my own success is if I know the right who's, the right people, I got to figure out a way to serve them as opposed to being a leech and just trying to get from them, which does not sustain itself. Yeah. Is what can I do to serve them? And uh, that's been significant for me. I remember in the beginning, I was just, it was all about the what. I said, if I just provide great stuff out there, I'll do well. It was kind of a build it and they'll come mentality. Yeah. Well, they have to know you're even out there. And they didn't. <laughs> the who's are the individuals that can, they can bring attention to you. So yeah. that's when I really started to appreciate the value of the who. Yeah, to me now, especially because knowledge and information is no longer as scarce as it used to be, right? Like 20 years ago, maybe when you were getting started, it probably was a lot more maybe skewed in the direction of the, of the what you know, because knowledge was a lot harder to come by 20, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, even 10 years ago, it was harder to come by. Now, with all the surplus of information and knowledge that we have from people like you that are putting out awesome content from people like me, like podcasters, YouTubers, and like all the stuff that we have to sift through. I think that the who you know, the relationships are really the thing that's, that is the more scarce thing. And we all have fake relationships, meaning like a Facebook friend, right? But that's not really yeah, a yeah, relationship. Yeah. So when, when we're talking about real relationships, I think those are the things that are scarce, the people that can really bring opportunity into the playing field. And the way that I always kind of put it is like, there's somebody out there probably but especially when I speak with somebody who isn't big into relationship building and, and connecting people with other people and stuff like that, uh, there's probably somebody out there that's doing what you do on a much lower level than you do it and getting paid a lot more to do it because they knew the right person that put them in the right opportunity. And uh, a lot of times, if we only focus on the what, then we're, we're missing out on a lot of potential opportunities out there. Mike, let me ask you this. Thinking back over the course of your career, Can you think of a time where you maybe met somebody that you had zero intention, zero intention going into the relationship with that person, that they were going to be somebody that was a vital part of your life or your network, but ended up being that way? Do you have any examples of that or anything off the top of your head to share with us? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I won't say the name, but I I just, it's ironically through a podcast like we're doing now. This is about a year ago. Someone invited me to be on a podcast and, uh, they were very gracious and, and I enjoyed it. And you know, we did a 20 minute show together or whatever. 
And now we're in negotiations for a multi six figure project uh, mm-hmm. that we're both going to come out winning. And it simply came out of uh, a kind invite and uh, a fun experience, but with no intention. I, I never thought I'd go further. And um, it has. Yeah. So, you know, you just never know where these things will come from. I think I, what I've discovered is just treat everything with absolute respect and care. That's the right thing to do anyway. Yeah, right. But without any intent. And if you have no intent, nothing happens. There's no disappointment. And if something happens, it's like, it's like a miracle. Exactly. So. Yeah. That's the big thing is without expectation. Yes. Like do those things without expectation. Because as soon as you assign an expectation to something, you are inevitably going to be disappointed, probably even a majority of the time. But if you can just do those things because it's the right thing to do and because you genuinely care and have curiosity and want to help other people, then, then I think it's always going to come back to you. That law of reciprocity will, will really always have your back there. Mike, what are a couple of the top ways that you've stayed really well connected within your industry? Probably the best way, I just did it five months ago, right before the COVID crisis. I uh, identified these other authors in the business space that... I consider to have achievements and accomplishments that I want to experience. And I was like, it'll be so cool to have those people in the room and be a part of that group, but they wouldn't invite me in. So I said, I'm going to make the group. So I reached out to, it ended up just being guys, but I got six guys together that are some of the authorities as authors in their space, got together for two days and I was in the room. And the only reason I think I was in the room is because I'm the one who coordinated it. It gave me knowledge and access like I, I hadn't had before. Hmm. It's funny. So, we, you know, there's an easy way to get in front of the, the people that you'll derive value from. And it's by giving them value. Yeah. The sell to them wasn't, hey, let's get together. The sell was, hey, there's other people like you that you want to be with in the same room. I'll, I'll coordinate it. And there's no physical, it's not physical, but there's no cost. There's no investment. Just show up. And uh, they did. Yeah. It was it was tremendous. So I use that to my advantage pretty regularly. Absolutely love that, Mike. I appreciate you for coming on the show. I know we're coming up close to time here. If you could create a video, Mike, and you knew that that video would be seen by every business owner in the entire United States of America, and you couldn't put a message on there, like as obviously the main thing that you'd want to do is put a call to action to something that you're doing, right? Um, but uh, besides that, let's just assume that it's like a just a big helpful piece of information talking to all business owners in the country. They all watch this viral video. What's the message of that video? I like that opportunity. I, the message I would simply share is uh, there's a saying that small business is the backbone of the economy. And I would tell people, don't buy into that. That's a bunch of lies. Small business is not the backbone of the economy. Small business is the economy. Mm. We are fully dependent. The globe is dependent upon small business success. And our economy will go as small business goes. So for everyone viewing that video, I tell them, you have a responsibility to stand up and step forward and and kick some ass. We got to be successful because if this economy is going to turn, it's, it's on our backs. So go for it. That's what I'd say. Perfect way to end things here, Mike. What is the best way for people to connect with you online? The best place to get started is, uh, we talked about it briefly, is, is my new book. It's So go to fixthisnext.com. The value though, going there is there's a free evaluation. You can pinpoint what your business needs from you within just a few minutes. And there's no downloads or any of that stuff. You can just go there, evaluate it, and you're, it'll tell you, this is what you need to work on within your business. That's where I get started, fixthisnext.com. Perfect. So head over to fixthisnext.com. 
Profitmindset.com. Get that free evaluation and go check out some of Mike's other stuff. If you have not read Profit First and you are an entrepreneur and you are listening to this right now, stop whatever you're doing and go buy that book right now. I promise you it will be a big game changer for you and for your family. So definitely go pick up a copy of that. By the way, I listened to it on audiobook for those listening and it was mm-hmm. a really, really good version on audiobook. So go check that out on Audible if you're one of the uh, listeners out there who likes to to listen to your books instead of read them. Either way, get the information and, uh, and digest it because it will be something that's beneficial for you. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. I had a blast chatting with you. This was a joy, Travis. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.